Hey guys, as you may have noticed, this is an off week for Screenwriter Survival Guide. So why are you hearing my voice? Because we're starting a new series of episodes that will air without a set schedule on the feed in the coming year. It's basically going to be whenever we have an episode, we drop it. In this Spotlight On series, I'm going to be chatting with some of the coolest young screenwriters, directors, and other industry professionals throughout Hollywood using a sort of less structured format. Our goal is to spotlight excellent up-and-comers with unique experiences and perspectives on the industry. And by the way, if you know anyone you think we should um, interview, including yourself, if you've got a really cool perspective on the industry, um, let us know. Reach out, sam at screenwritersurvivalguide.com or at ssgpod, anywhere you can socialify, except TikTok, we're still working on that. All right, that's besides the point. So, today, we turn the spotlight on Kylie Eaton, a multi-hyphenate director, writer, producer whose films have premiered at festivals all over the country. I hope you enjoy. Let's face it, Hollywood is a lot, but for many of us, it's the only life we can imagine. I'm Sam Brooks, and my goal with this podcast is to take not-yet screenwriters from their first homesick night in Los Angeles all the way to the red carpet. Welcome to Screenwriter Survival Guide. Hey guys, I'd like to apologize for the audio quality in this episode. We had some technical difficulties, and that led Kylie to cut out a few times as we were talking. It's not your devices, it's ours. Apologies. Hey guys, today we're spotlighting a brilliant writer-director whose films have premiered at festivals all over the country. In addition to this, her writing has appeared in outlets such as Backstage. She's directed music videos for the likes of Owl City and been featured in Variety and Video and Filmmaker, just to name a few. Her most recent film, Kinetic, was a thought-provoking twist on the superhero genre that premiered at Indie Shorts 2020. I'm talking, of course, about Kylie Eaton. Kylie, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much for having me today, Sam. Thank you for coming on. Um, So I always start in the same place, which is, um, could you just walk us through your journey as a filmmaker? When did you know you wanted to come into this industry? Was there any one film in particular that inspired you? All that sort of good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And thank you for that lovely introduction. Uh, (laughs) It's always humbling to like hear someone else talk about yourself. So (laughs) I appreciate that. Um, But yeah, I guess my filmmaking journey... um, you know, I think I was a I was a very sheltered kid, and and films and TV was kind of how I escaped and you know saw the world um, from you know growing up in like the rural Midwest. That was sort of my the the way that I I saw the rest of the world. So. Right. Um, you know, it was just always kind of a kid that was in front of the TV watching movies. And I have two older siblings. So, mm-hmm. you know, at a younger age than I probably should have, I, you know, like I remember <laughs> seeing like scary stuff when I, it, even, not even like that scary, but like I was terrified of, <laughs> you know, like parts of the <laughs> park when I was little and, right. and all that kind of stuff. And we got uh, banned from watching E.T. for a bit because my brother and I snuck a little E.T. doll into my sister's bed and um, she was terrified <laughs> of aliens oh at that my. point. So, um, <laughs> you know, you know, it was just like a part of childhood and I didn't really think twice about it. Um, so had our like uh, little VHS uh, camcorder that I mm-hmm. would, you know, 
sneak around and play with when my parents weren't home because I wasn't supposed to use it. Uh, <laughs> just to like, <laughs> you know, make like movies with the dogs or, you know, yeah, just like little stuff around the house. And it was just kind of something where as I grew up and, you know, in school, anytime there was like a project, it was like, oh, can I like make a video instead of, you know, whatever else presentation right. or something we were supposed to be doing. So it just felt like a very natural part of my life to like always be making these little like videos or, you know, watching movies constantly. Mm -hmm. it, it wasn't really something that I thought about career wise. I think, you know, growing mm -hmm. up, it was the, the normal, like, Oh, I want to be a doctor. I want to be a veterinarian. I want to, you know, mm -hmm. be a, a writer. And, and I didn't really think about film as a career until I guess I was probably in my teenage years. And um, at mm -hmm. that time, I feel like, it was right around when DVDs started becoming really, you know, prominent and, and, you know, everyone had a DVD player and was renting DVDs right. and all the behind the scenes stuff was on there. And I started watching all of that um, and really realizing like, oh, that's like, there's people's who, who like their people's jobs are to make movies um, in right. a way that I kind of hadn't comprehended before. Um, mm -hmm. It was also probably a similar experience of watching, I have such vivid memories of watching MTV's Behind the Video uh, <laughs> back in like the glory days of music videos when budgets were astronomical and it was like basically like making a movie, um, just ridiculous amounts of stuff. Um, but yeah, so between, you know, seeing that and seeing all the behind the scenes of like, oh, this is what a director does. There's, you know, a, a person that is in charge of the camera and there's a person in charge Really, that sink in I think was what led me to understanding that's kind of what I wanted to pursue with my life um and mm -hmm. so between junior and senior year of high school I um was lucky enough to go to a film camp at UCLA um okay. like I like I mentioned I grew up I grew up in central Illinois so it was like a big exciting thing to do to like go to LA for the summer for right. like a couple weeks and stay on campus and feel like a mm. college kid and um yeah. you know it, it was a, it was a really great experience we like each got to make our own little short film and then we obviously like mm. crewed for other people and so it was like um sort of like a pre-film school experience of learning like what that actually all entails and I'm like mm -hmm. sometimes I look back and I'm like I can't believe I had the confidence to just go and do that because I was like so sheltered and there were like you know <laughs> a, UCLA, a UCLA film camp so there were like LA kids there who like yeah. people in the industry and like understood what it was right. all about and I was just like I make little home movies um, <laughs> but I think it was you know it was that experience that also kind of school and moved out here and went to Chapman and mm -hmm. you know that's kind of where and then moving up to LA sort of with that group of um, friends from from Chapman and and starting in the industry um is kind of how it all came together for me so I think like that part of it path for me in terms of like gotcha. going to film school and then then moving to LA but um but yeah that's started for me so I want to start off by talking about your writing process. Now, many writers and writer, director, multi-hyphenates I talk with uh, view writing as like a necessary part of what they do, but not as like a real part of their identity, which is why I think it was great that you put screenwriter front and center in all of your online profiles right next to director. So why is that thing? Why do you think it's so important for a director to be involved in the writing process? 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's a really interesting question. I think when, um, you know, I think just stepping back for a second and thinking about like the whole process of becoming a filmmaker, a lot of like, I I can see why people are like, yeah, it's a necessary sort of evil to get to where I want to be because, you know, you're coming up with your own content and and developing it because you're not getting sent scripts like a big A-list director is. Um, But I think you know, it, I think going into directing without having a really strong background and understanding story, it's just going to make it really hard on you, you know, because so much of direct, you know, yeah, there's the parts that it's like, pick which, you know, production design and, you know, collaborate with your DP and, and all the stuff that seemingly isn't about the story. But at the end of the day, right. every single question you get asked by your department heads goes back to the story and knowing the story and sort of knowing the core of what you're trying to say and and how Mm -hmm. you're trying to say it um and so for me you know I think it it sure nothing is like as exciting as a great day on set but um you know I think that the process of like sitting down and creating something from nothing is just such Mm -hmm. a unique experience like wow how amazing that like we can just do that we can just sit down and 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 come up with whatever we can possibly imagine like yeah it's hard and it's it's you know there's a lot of stumbling and roadblocks and all of that but at the end of the day it's it's if you have background and you've done the work and you've done sort of your homework and everything then you know how to write a screenplay when you sit down to do it for the fourth fifth whatever amount of time it becomes a more freeing experience and so you know I love I love writing and I love coming up with um different worlds I think that's that's my favorite thing about writing is is coming up with either different worlds or looking at our world and adding something like weird or supernatural or otherworldly that we don't have in our universe to something and I think that's like such an exciting proposition that like yeah, when you finally get to make it, it's an amazing feeling. But, you know, also it's really expensive to make things and it's it's free to write them, <laughs> you know? Right. So, like, that's that's always, even if you don't end up making the thing you wrote or you don't make it for 10 years or whatever, like, it's a factory experience to be like, I wrote this complete thing. Experience, and I love yeah. writing. And I, I, I can't see myself stopping one to only do the other at any point right. in my life, you know? Yeah, that's interesting. So I, I, you, you're always working in the sci-fi genre and everything you've done so far. What is it about that genre that, that draws you in so specifically about that? Yeah, um, I think sort of a little bit of what I said before is like, it's really fun just to sort of like... Mm-hmm sort of a little slanted or five minutes in the future or any of that kind of stuff where it's like a a little bit takes you out of the everyday experience Mm -hmm. um and I think you know it's it's also a way to explore sort of different subjects or things that are a little more difficult um through a lens that makes it a little more palatable um -hmm. you know like listen I I kind of want to be entertained when I watch a movie. Like, yes, I want right. to have an emotional experience and I want to look at the world differently. After, um, but also, like, I want to be entertained for two hours. And I think, you know, whether it be sci-fi or action adventure or, 
sort of any of those sort of uh, genre worlds, I think that um, that's really interesting to me. And also, I just I love science and I'm I'm not in any way a scientist um unfortunately <laughs> when I hit <laughs> high school chemistry that was that was sort of the end for me uh, right there with I, you. I love yeah exactly I was about why I'm a filmmaker and not a veterinarian um yep. but I um I I love reading you know like science books for lay people basically you know um and and right. just thinking about why the universe works the way it works and you know and yeah. basically like pondering the questions that we'll probably never have answers to mm -hmm. is it's really to a film and say like okay but maybe i have like a little bit of an answer that i can explore through this film or through this story um right. it, you know i think that so much of life is just like yeah we'll kind of never really know the answer to that that it, it's a more satisfying thing and i think that's part of just storytelling overall like making sense of our lived experience and i think right. sci-fi is a big way to do that because so much of like what sci-fi is is asking those big questions i mean i always like joke that i hope that ridley scott gets to meet when he dies because like he really <laughs> wants you really want that guy wants to meet his maker like if i know anything about that guy he wants to know who made us, you know? But it's like, yeah. that's what sci-fi is. like those really big sort of existential questions get right. um, explored. And I think that's, that's really fun for me to be able to like play around and see how to, you know, approach it from a new angle. Yeah, yeah I think, I think, yeah, I, I don't, I, I don't necessarily work in sci-fi all that much. I mean, I, I have written mm -hmm. pilot stuff in sci-fi before, but I think, yeah. Just to, to, to have add that genre element to it, it really allows you, like I work a lot in kind of like, I guess technically it's futuristic, so it probably would get classified as sci-fi, but it's mm -hmm. not really science and it, it's definitely fiction, but it's not really science. Yeah. And I think, but having that like this futuristic that you're dealing with a concept, you have this, the, the, the first thing that pops into your mind is this concept. I think that is so mm -hmm. cool because there is, you can take that concept, whether that is, um, the concept in Dispel of being able to kind of move through uh, dimensions and uh, meet your heroes or, mm -hmm. um, or uh, kinetic, like using your uh, superhero abilities for bad, for, for ill. Mm -hmm. I think there's so many ways to go with that. Um, yeah. And I think that's what's so interesting about these concepts. Like there's a world in which kinetic would just be the boys. Um, right. But it's not because that's such a, uh, it's th that concept is so expansive and you can apply any human stories to these sci-fi concepts. I think that's what's, what's so cool about these, about uh, genre filmmaking in general. Um, yeah. Yeah. And you yeah. can definitely like set up, you know, a story and then go back five years later and be like, Oh, well, I want to tell a different story, but in the same sort of universe, you know? And I think that's the right. really fun thing too. And like, is obviously all these like franchises exist. Cause it's like, once you set mm -hmm. up that world, people, like fall in love with it and they love the characters and they love the, the mm -hmm. settings and you know all of that and I think you know it was such a big thing for me growing up with like Star Wars and Star Trek and 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 all that kind of stuff where it's like you can go back again to these like same places and explore it from a different way whether mm -hmm. it's you know getting the sequels with Star Wars or getting you right. know like the new Star Trek shows with Picard and all of that you know it's like yeah. there's a familiarity to it and and like a comfort to it but there's always mm -hmm. something more to explore with it as well and it feels like these shows and these movies always end up being very timely 
because like you're saying, like the human elements that they're, these human stories they're telling can be are transposed into whatever the time is, uh, whatever, yeah. char- uh, whatever characters you're dealing with can uh, respond to the, the moment very well in these, uh, in these kind of films. So talk yeah. us a little bit through your writing process. Uh, do you write every day? Do you have a specific ritual or system you use when you want to sit down and write something? Um, you know, I try really hard to write uh, <laughs> Monday through Friday. Uh, sometimes it doesn't happen. Um, but yeah, you know, I think it kind of depends where I am in the writing process. Like right now, I just finished like a probably hopefully the last draft for now of a screenplay that my manager is starting to send out. And so now I'm in the phase of like, I have, you know, a handful of log lines that I've been developing. And now it's kind of like, okay, which one sort of fits the moment, fits the market, mm-hmm. fits what I want to do. And so I'm in that phase of like, which is a, always a really exciting phase of like, okay, I get to like, pick a thing and dive into it for a couple <laughs> months um but it's also scary because it's like oh what if I pick one and I hate it you know in a month right. <laughs> um, but you know so yeah depending on the phase where I'm at I'm either you know actually writing writing on the page in fine mm-hmm. or I'm you know outlining writing a character backstory sort of doing some world building um But yeah, I try to approach writing like you would approach any other job, which is, Mm -hmm. you know, it's part of my daily routine, Monday through Friday, you know, I usually get up, walk the dog, make some coffee, and then dive into Mm -hmm. writing apps for a couple hours. And, you know, Mm -hmm. by the time she gets up and wants to go back outside, (laughs) I'm like, oh yeah, I I should like stand up and and, and do that. (laughs) But, um, but yeah. Yeah, exactly. I try to like, I try to approach it um, like work because that's, you know, at the end of the day, it is, it is a job and it is something that uh, takes consistency and takes dedication. Um, And so I find that I'm particularly better at it in the morning and around the time that I've had some caffeine. So that's usually the morning is when I try and, and right. write and then the afternoon is for like meetings and, and other kind of stuff. So that's, that's, gotcha. that's basically where, where I try to do, do my work. Nice. Nice. Congratulations on finishing the final draft of your screenplay. Oh, uh, great you. accomplishment. <laughs> um, I think it's really, it's really easy um, to just kind of be like, okay, uh, I did it next. What's the next thing? But you know, He's yeah. uh he's finishing. I remember the first time I finished a draft of the screen, the first draft of the, my first screenplay, I was like, "Oh my god, I can't do this ever again." And then you you do it a bunch more times, and it gets commonplace, yeah. but still worth uh still worth celebrating. Um, so I read that your latest film, Kinetic, is a proof of concept for a longer project. Um, so what makes uh mm-hmm. why make a short proof of concept first? And do you think this is something every writer and director should look into? I think it's definitely a case-by-case basis. So with Kinetic, I had uh, a feature screenplay that I had written and it had done pretty well. It was a finalist in a screencraft competition and it's actually sort of how I I met and um, started working with my manager. Um, And it was definitely a different script than I had written before and and a little bit different from anything I directed. And so Mm -hmm. I was like, 
it I was like bouncing around with the idea of making a proof of concept for it and then um it just so happened that the short I did right before it dispel got into two festivals like a week apart in Indiana and Connecticut mm-hmm. is set in like it's set in Illinois but it's similar look uh it's set in the Midwest and so I was like oh that's perfect I'll I'll just like get these festivals I'm gonna play it seems right. like sort of a nudge from the universe of like, yeah, go ahead and do it. Um, and it's been right. it's been really g- g- interesting how it's like stood on its own, which was like the proof of concept, which was not something I had anticipated. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I think people have enjoyed it, and it's um definitely gotten like half and half feedback of people being like, oh, this would be a great movie, and then like half the people being like, oh, this would be such a good series. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I have a teacher's grace, like, you know, I don't know about that, but um. <laughs> You know, I think it it really um it it was made as a way to like send it out with a script and be like this is what the world looks like, but I think it ended mm-hmm. up also just being a great um showpiece for, you know, the directing side of my career and mm-hmm. it was a way to sort of explore the characters and what the tone and and sort of world of the film looks like and uh, you know, I challenged myself to try and tell a little story within that world, you mm-hmm. know, in about 5 minutes and it, it takes different pieces from the feature, but it's not like pulled, it's not a scene pulled directly from it. It's sort of like an amalgamation of, of different scenes within the within the feature script. But um but yeah, I think that you know, I would definitely say for for genre stuff, I think proof of concept works well. I also just in terms mm-hmm. of like where the the business is, I've seen a lot of people making proof of or um, you know, series ideas. Whereas before, mm-hmm. you know, there was a time when it was like, oh, like film your and try and sell it that way. And now it's like, oh, just make like a 10 minute proof of concept episode or, you know, gotcha. get that deep into it. But showing sort of, you know, the world and the mm-hmm. characters, whether it is a genre piece or if it's comedy and you want to show like the specific, you know, world of comedy that you're living in, or even if it's something a little bit more dramatic, I think that it's it's a great way to sort of get people interested um, mm-hmm. in reading your script because it is, you know, five minutes versus, you know, right. an hour or two to read a script. It's a different sort of time investment. And I think that if you have the ability and you're really excited about a script and you really want to get it in front of people and, and you want to like try and, I would say, especially if you're going to try and self-finance, like a hundred percent, make a proof right. of concept um, and do it for, as cheap as you can do it because right. the point is like to go get the money from someone else to make the big money right. but um but yeah I have found that even if you know it doesn't work out or you don't end up making the long-form piece like it's always going to be a great thing for you as a director and even if even if you're a writer and you hi, you know you have a director direct it for you it's it's such a great mm-hmm. way to get something made and get something on the screen that right. you've written Yeah, no, I mean, I think what was great about Kinetic is I feel like you're right. It was so short, such a a sweet, short and sweet little bit. But I feel like I totally get, like, I feel like right there, uh, you could pitch the the movie to me for 20 minutes. And I feel like in that five minute thing that I can watch, you know, in my pajamas in bed, uh, right before I go to sleep or something or right when I wake up or, you know, on my lunch break or whatever. um, Yeah. I feel like I get it. I get maybe not every single beat of what the movie is, but I get what you're going for. I get what the, right. what the movie's going to be. And I think that's right. what's, what's cool about it. Um, and I'm also uh, a big proponent of every writer should direct something. 
um, even if it's like a web series or something. And just yeah. to, just because making your own momentum is so much easier than trying to gain momentum without, you know, making it like that yeah. doesn't make any sense what I just said. But I think that the, the <laughs> point is there, like the, the yeah. point is there that like you need to develop, find some way to develop momentum and just, just a script is never going to develop that momentum. Um, so I yeah. think the, the concept is a very interesting direction. I've not ever done anything like that. I had to, I did do one web series where I then retroactively went back and wrote pilot for it um, to just to have one. But, uh, yeah. but yeah, I didn't do anything with that. But I do think it's a very well, interesting. I think it's, uh, yeah, it's interesting too, because I feel like when you go to a festival with a short film or with a web series or whatever it is, people are always mm-hmm. like, oh, what's the, what's the feature version? So I think like people have gotten really right. used to this idea of like, oh, seeing the short and then seeing, you know, like, I mean, obviously, like, the dream story is, like, you know, the District 9, Neil Blumkamp, or, you know, the, right. um, what's the, the drum one, uh, why well, is this escaping my head now? The, the, the drumming one with, uh, Whiplash. Jason and Whiplash, Whiplash, you know, like yeah. that. I didn't that, know that, that was based on a model. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sure. And it's like, it's oh, like that's that model. Like, oh, they made the short and then like they have to make the feature and do that. And that's obviously the, yeah. the, the big dream. It's funny right. how now people are just like, it expects that you have a script or at least a treat when you right. go with a short film or, or a web series. Um, so I would say like, that's not a bad idea also to do sort of retroactively if you right. have a short or a, a web series that's like doing well in the festivals, like just yeah. have something like, cause someone's going to ask yeah. at some point, you know? So I would do it. Yeah. I always try to have something bigger to do with any small, like whether it's like a scripted podcast or like a, a web series or a short or anything, I always got to have something yeah. I could do with it. Even if it's a, a loose idea, something I could write yeah. up quickly. If someone's like, Hey, do you have an idea? You know, like just have some way I want to go with it. Screenwriter Survival Guide is brought to you by GetMeAnAgent.com. This is a different sort of ad. No money is exchanging hands here. Why? Because GetMeAnAgent is my company. Whoa. For less than $20 a month, GetMeAnAgent is the fast pass to hundreds of Hollywood lit agents and their contact information. Plus 24-7 support from actual industry professionals via live chat and email free email templates to help you reach out, and so much more. Want personalized help? Send us your script and we'll match you with five agents and five managers who've worked on similar projects to yours. I'm super excited to be offering listeners of Screenwriter Survival Guide a very special deal. You'll get one free month plus half off your subscription forever when you use the discount code SURVIVE at checkout. That's S-U-R-V-I-V-E. Now, I'm going to level with you. As of recording, I don't personally have representation. I say this to clarify that Get Me an Agent is by no means a panacea. As anyone who works in the industry will tell you, there are no shortcuts to the hard work of becoming an excellent writer and building your Hollywood network. What Get Me an Agent provides is a way to connect young screenwriters with their most important connection in the business, their reps. And we've already connected many of our customers with agents. So try it out risk-free today. Visit getmeanagent.com and try a free month with no commitment. And when you're ready to take the leap, 
Use the discount code SURVIVE to get half off your plan forever. All right, guys. Now, back to the show. So I listened to a podcast you did where you talked about compartmentalizing your creative process, only focusing on writing when you're writing, only focusing on directing when you're directing, all that. Could you walk us through why that's so important? Yeah, I think that I had actually forgotten about that. So thank you for reminding (laughs) me. Uh, It was actually, like I said, something smart that day. Um, I think it's, you know, what I was talking about there is like this, this thing when you're multi-hyphenate that sometimes, you know, when you're writing it, you're thinking about directing it, obviously that's going to happen. But depending on, on sort of the assignment, whether it's someone that's hired you or an assignment you've given yourself, you know, you want to be able to sort of let the story happen in a way when you're writing that maybe it's not the most feasible way to direct Mm -hmm. it for you in that moment. Um, I think that a lot of times we can sort of handicap ourselves in terms of like thinking too much about the budget when writing, Um, Mm -hmm. especially when it's, you know, obviously if you're writing a short film, you're going to make, think about the budget, (laughs) you know, and don't like, (laughs) don't sort of screw yourself but if you're just writing if you're writing a spec like don't don't think about the budget you know and obviously like even if it's something where you're like oh it would be my dream to make this like great but show off your writing in that way um and really Mm -hmm. you know focus on that and also I think sometimes it can be a little distracting and you can get down the rabbit hole of like oh this is what the production design is going to look like and this would be my dream location and like obviously (laughs) you want inspiration to write but you don't want to like bury yourself in choices that uh you know five years down the road when you actually get to make it the world is a different place that building doesn't exist anymore whatever the case is like you know really sort of stick to the story when you're writing it and then when you get to direct it like then you get to like do all the exciting work of like okay like how do I how do I bring this to life but I think you know I think it's good to compartmentalize and then it's also there's a time and a place to sort of let everything cross over and when you're on set and you're directing like sometimes something goes wrong and you have to really quickly come up with a solution Mm -hmm. story-wise you know or dialogue-wise to sort of fix it and so it definitely bleeds into each other but I think you know thinking of yourself as a writer when you're writing and a director mm-hmm. when you're directing can be really helpful just in terms of of you know focusing on the task at hand and and not letting yourself sort of get too far in the future or you know whatever the case might be with right that. right um all right Awesome. Uh, so let's move on right now to your work as a director. Um, seems like a pretty good segue. Mm-hmm. Um, so you directed uh, quite a few music videos, um, including one for Owl City before mm-hmm. you started making your own films. Um, so what are some similarities mm-hmm. and differences between directing for music videos and directing narrative works um, like shorts and features? Yeah, that's a great question. So I think um, I think it's, it depends on the video. I, I was always attracted when I was directing music videos to sort of bands or artists that wanted to do something a little more narrative. Um, that was always really exciting for me um, to be able to like work my directing muscle and tell a story just through images, I think is, it was an invaluable experience to do that for many years. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in that way, it can be very similar of, of you know, show don't tell that kind of thing um telling a story just 
through pictures, through images, through, you know, the emotion that an actor can can show on screen without having to say anything. Um, mm-hmm. So in that in that kind of way, it's, it's similar. And, you know, the production process is fairly similar um, just in terms okay. of, like, shooting. You know, um, I would say the, a couple of big differences, first of all, is um, <laughs> when you move from music videos into the narrative world, sound sound man uh it, it you know i i feel like i have you know camera and production design and costume right. and, and hair and makeup but then it's like oh all of a sudden i need sound people and i right <laughs> i have not worked with sound people in many years because i've been doing music videos which have no sound uh right. unless you're doing a very fancy big video that does have sound right um, but uh so yeah just like thinking about that and like budgeting for that when you're making a film I would say was kind of like the one thing where I was like oh man I forgot this line item but um but in terms of like the approach I feel like you know I mean again it's very dependent if you get the freedom to make like a very narrative music video and it's all about the story and and all of that it's like you know, very similar to making a short film. Mm-hmm. If you're more in the performance where it's like almost like a live performance to tape kind of thing, um, that's just, it's a different sort of experience if you're doing like a multicam setup or, you know, whatever that case may be. Um, it's it's more about the performance and the artist and sort of highlighting them and making them look good and, and sort mm-hmm. of getting their vision across. Um, right. So I guess, yeah, it's it's sort of like whose vision is it? What are you trying to express? And that hmm. that sort of plays in any world, because in a in a narrative world, sometimes you're hired to direct someone else's script, or when you get hired to make a movie and you have either you know investors or you have a production company or a studio backing you, there's always there's always multiple visions to manage. And so I think that having worked in the world of music videos and branded content really sort of helps to um, you know to prepare you right. for uh, some of those some of those narrative jobs where there are bosses and you're not <laughs> just making your <laughs> own thing on your own money and right. get to be your own boss. That's very fun, but uh, not feasible in the long term. And so you right. know, I think learning, learning to sort of like collaborate and work with other artists is always, is always going to be a thing, whether it's in music videos or narrative. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I had not even thought of the sound aspect of it, yeah. of music videos. I just, I just had a director on the podcast a few weeks ago who said, like, I asked him, what, what's the number one thing people should be thinking about when making their films? And he was like, sound and food. Um, and so, yeah, yeah, to not have one of those is, ooh, wow. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, all right, so let's transition to narrative now. Um, so if you're a writer or director and you have the script in hand and you are now you're staring across the blank canvas of what your film could be. What are the what are the like most important things to keep in mind as you start to venture out into that process of going into pre-production and then production and post? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think keeping a couple of things in mind. I think you you know, it's a little bit easier with a short film, but you know, whether it's a short or a feature like you have to know that script backwards and forwards you know you have to know every single scene Mm -hmm. and what the point of every single scene is and what the point 
of each scene is for each character on their arc. Um, and, you know, knowing all of that is going to get you to like the core truth of the story and, and the core truth of like what you're trying to say with it, whether or not it's a mm -hmm. message film or if it's just a film about, uh, you know, someone's journey and, and what they're learning. Um, I think there's mm -hmm. always like, it can always be sort of reduced to a, to a, a kernel of like truth or emotional truth that you want to keep in mind um to really sort of guide you moving forward um i would say that's sort of the artistic answer <laughs> to that question okay. and, and uh i would say the maybe more craft or practical aspect to that question is um you know what what resources do you have available to you and and how mm -hmm. can you fit that into your film right so i was thinking the other day of like oh i want to make another short film while i'm sort of you know working on this feature how do I, you know, and the first thing I thought of was like, what do I, what do I know I can get? Like, what locations do I know I can get? How can I make this easy on myself? Right. right. So, <laughs> you know, if you have a script and it's set in the desert, but you can only get a forest location, but you can get a forest location for free. Like, I don't know, maybe you think about right. switching that up. Um, yeah. You know, so there's, there's certain things. And, and again, it goes back to knowing sort of the truth of your story of like, can you change it to a forest or is the desert integral to like what that story right. is and how you're going to tell it um so i mean it's you know it's obviously like a big long process of, of getting from script into the actual production process but mm. you know thinking of what you have available to you in terms of like locations or talent or friends who have a camera or friends who have sound equipment uh, <laughs> those are like right. the, the most valuable friends hold on to the most friends yeah exactly you need, you need sound friends um but yeah sort of the practical lines of thinking of what you have available to you to uh -huh. tell that story um i don't know this is a terrible clunky metaphor but it's like if you have a idea in your mind of a picture you want to paint and then mm -hmm. what actual paints on what canvas do you have available to you you know right. the, the picture might turn out looking a little bit differently but it's always going to be sort of a version of that story you wanted to tell so the the tools right. that you have to tell the story while secondary to how you tell it and what you're saying are are very important and you know mm -hmm. part of the whole filmmaking process so um thinking of yeah. that and then i would also say from a craft perspective um send your script out to as many trusted people in your life as you can because you're going to get great right. feedback on it and especially, um, you know, we're talking about making a short film here. I have made, you know, a number of short films and a number of like narrative music videos where I ended mm -hmm. up with so much on the cutting floor, <laughs> you know, like so right. many yeah. things that I didn't need to have shot. So many setups that, you know, just was like wasted time and money and not you know i i don't actually think anything is is wasted in terms of like there's always a lesson to be learned from having done it but i, I do think that like brevity is an often overlooked um you know like yeah. hallmark of a good writer and director and so send it out see what see what people say and my my general rule on anything that you send out for notes is if only one person says it, it's probably just their opinion. If two or three people or more say it, then it's, you know, that it's a general consensus and that's probably a good note to pay attention to. Yeah. Yeah. I heard a, a quote 
that was uh, if one person that, that was about this about uh, notes, but it was if yeah. one person says you're drunk, you're not drunk. If two people say you're drunk, you might be drunk. If three people tell you you're drunk, you're drunk. Yeah. And I think <laughs> exactly. that is like is a great way of of uh, thinking about uh, revisions and notes. Um, yeah. I also think the, the note on the thought on brevity, uh, that is something people always talk about. And then in actual execution, people are very bad at being brief. Yeah. Um, and I think it is yeah. so important. <laughs> uh, it is so important to like, and it's something I've done. Like I, my last web series, I was talking to my friend, my, my friend who helped me shoot it. And there was a whole scene where like, we needed it for the continuity of what happens next, but we were looking at like, okay, but it doesn't work. Like yeah. the scene is too long. It, nothing is happening. We need to cut this. Oh, but we need it because something isn't going to make sense in the next scene. And it, that, it's those kind of things where I was just like, okay, well, what's going to make this flow better? Okay, cutting the scene and leaving a tiny bit of a plot hole is going to make this flow better. So I think that's the right move. Um, and yeah. even being willing to like create plot holes if you have to yeah. uh, in order to make a better overall experience. Um, I mean, yeah, and that's the yeah. thing is like, that my my brain was just like oh because you've just done like a little vo or a little like uh, adr dialogue for the next scene to sort of like explain what was going on or whatever the case is like there's <laughs> always a way to like right creatively get around that and also yeah. sometimes like yeah sometimes it's, it's going to be a little bit of a plot hole and you'll have to like deal with people that have too much time on their hands that have watched your thing like right. 20 times <laughs> and then tell you about it but um yeah but most of the time honestly that's again like send out send out a rough cut to someone that you trust that hasn't read the script that I should have said this earlier in the script part. But <laughs> when you send your script out, don't send it to absolutely everyone. Cause you're going to need someone to watch the actual cut of the film that has not read anything about oh, it. Interesting. Huh? Because Never you thought of that. Someone, That's good. yeah, you want someone with fresh eyes to watch a cut who can tell you like, Hey, I don't understand what just happened between these two scenes. It seems like something's huh. missing or they watch it and they're like, yeah, great. And you're like, but did you, did you get that plot hole thing? And they'd be like, oh yeah, I didn't really think about that. You know? So I think having someone that has those fresh eyes to watch like the actual filmed product of it, mm. I've made that mistake before where I've been like, oh my God, I'm, I have no one that hasn't read the script, you know? And I, I don't know who to send it to and, and had to like reach out to a friend of a friend to be like, hey, can right. you make sure this like makes sense, you know? So right. I think that's another thing to keep in mind yeah that's great yeah i never thought of that that's uh it's a great point um all right so it was very funny when i was watching dispel um mm -hmm. i all of a sudden like i paused it i was like staring at one of your actors and i was pa I, mm -hmm. I paused i'm like i know that person and i realized that it was actually the the brother is actually was a, a oh. good friend and co-worker of mine um so that was just oh, bizarre omete <laughs> yeah. yeah he's amazing uh, oh great God, guy. He's yeah, <laughs> he's I'm awesome. Guy. Yes. Um, but so th that's like you construct and find your team for these films, both cast and crew. Um, yeah, that's a great question. So with this spell, I went a very traditional, like had some friends of a friend who were casting directors that had just launched their own company and, and were like, super open to helping me with that mm -hmm. especially because I'd never worked with like a teenager before you know like a kid actually right. wasn't like a kid she was like 13 but um I had never worked in that sort of without you know not adult actor age range and so that they were super helpful in that process because I was like <laughs> you know I was like 
I'm, I think I'm looking for like a 16 year old and they were like, what you remember as 16 and what kids actually are like at 16 is very, right. you know, you were looking for someone younger than 16. Yeah. Um, uh, so I would always suggest that you have the ability casting directors they're really great mm-hmm. collaborators in that pre-production process of like you know what you're looking for in a character but they just they see so many people day in and day out that they know sort of like yeah this is like the age range or if you're aiming for this this is what you're looking for and you know we've worked with these people before they can bring them in for you and it's honestly it's so nice to have someone like weeding through the submissions for you because mm. you know Sometimes people don't read the submissions or they just don't <laughs> care. And so you're like, you're 20 uh, yeah. years younger than the person that I need for this part. Sorry, you're not old enough to be a, a, a mother to this person or, you know, whatever yeah. the case is. So, um, yeah, I've gotten a few of those. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So shout out to casting directors who like <laughs> weed through stuff and, and find hidden gems and all of yeah. that. Um, so I'd always suggest that. But, you know, on my last on my last short I I did all the legwork myself and that's a way to save money but um but yeah so in terms of like cast I casting director if you're not able to I just say like make sure you do at least two or three um you know auditions and and find actors that you're not only like oh they are great for the character but also like they seem like they take direction well and Right. I feel like comfortable giving them direction and it's there's mm-hmm. a rapport there there's like a you know because you, you think about chemistry between characters but like as a director you also need chemistry with your actors to a certain extent you yeah. know like you you want to have that sort of like artistic chemistry where you're on the same page and and you know both open to hearing each other's ideas and and all that kind of stuff um yeah. so yeah that's you know casting I think is such an important thing because then it really shapes those characters and, and it lets them grow in sort of ways you hadn't expected, which is yeah. always kind of the, the fun, magical part of it. Um, right. And then in terms of getting crew, I mean, for me, it's it's always like friends or people I've worked with before. You mm-hmm. know, I think that it's, that's kind of, you know, I can only speak to, to really, you know, growing up as a filmmaker in LA but that's sort of like the best part of of you know living and working in LA is you you create that network of people that you work with and I've mm-hmm. I've need to you know be able to create that network and, and when there's sort of a deficiency where I'm like oh I don't have this person I also have a lot of other director friends and that's right. that's a tip get get a lot of director friends you know and lean sure. on each other and be like, oh, hey, you know, the person I usually work with for, you know, production design or whatever is not available. Who do you trust? Who do you recommend? Um, and I right. think that, you know, that is something that is really helpful for me, um, you know, and as a as a um, woman working as a director, I think earlier in my career, I was very, very self-conscious and, you know, didn't have as much confidence as I do now. Mm-hmm. And so I would say, you're in that position whether you are a woman or, or whatever the case may be um find mm-hmm. find a group and join it like I just randomly joined a group called Alliance of Women Directors a couple of years uh-huh. ago because I was like oh they look cool and it turned <laughs> out to be like an amazing experience and now I'm like on the board of directors and you know I'm the charge awesome. it, it's just like and it, it, yeah it's an amazing group of women I've made so many friends and like collaborators and it, there really is something to be said for having you know 
colleagues in the trenches with you who like are your friends and have your back and want you to succeed. I'm also in a fellowship Mm -hmm. right now through Black Magic Collective um, where we're all sort of like pushing to make our first sort of bigger budget feature and it's eight other women and me and we, again, it's just like a supportive group. And so I would say, Mm -hmm. yeah, you know, like when you're crewing up, is is not the time to start thinking about it it's it's years before that it's when you're building right. your network it's making sure that like you have people on your team who want to support you and your vision whether it be the dp or it's a director that can introduce you to a dp you know i would say right i hate the term networking because it makes me feel gross and yeah. there's a reason i don't work in corporate america uh <laughs> because that's very much not my personality um but if you can think about it a different way where it's like honestly just building like a group of i almost said a network up a, a group of <laughs> people who are, are like-minded and, and doing the same thing as you are i think yeah. it pays off so much in, in the long run and and you just kind of need that moral support at times too you know yeah yeah no i think likes like it all comes back to making friends and having friends. I think that is, that is one thing I've been yeah. thinking about more recently is like, just stop thinking of it as networking. Cause I agree. It's the ickiest thing. Yeah. I don't, it makes me feel gross inside. I don't like it. Yeah. I never, I've never once gone to, I don't know why I keep going to these. I've, I've stopped now, but like, I don't know why I would keep yeah. going to these networking events because I would never meet anyone. Like you'd meet people, no. you get their Instagrams, you never talk to them again. And these things, they're so gross, but they, or they, yeah. they're not, they're fine if that's how you connect with people. I, for me, they yeah. make me feel good. But like, I think just connecting with one thing I've been trying to get better at is just being better at reconnecting with friends I haven't seen in a long time, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And just those kinds of things. Especially, you know, you know post not post COVID, but in COVID, I guess we all, right. I think we all have those friends now that we're like, oh man, I like, yeah. have not connected with that person because I would see them out yeah. at social events and you know now I have to actually make a concerted effort to reach out to them make, but I, I would say that like if I've learned anything in my career in my time in LA it's mm-hmm. that it's literally all about people that's like right. the only thing and and you make a good point of like if networking events work for you amazing go do them like you know it's it's very much a personality thing my sister has one of those personalities that if she's in a room full of people she'll find someone and make a friend and it will be like they've known each other for you (laughs) i don't have that kind of personality i feel like slowly warm up to people yeah you know i think it's like maybe it's an introvert thing i don't know but like like slowly warming up to meeting people and like going out for a coffee and doing a one-on-one scenario thing you know i i um in this fellowship that I'm in this year we met with um someone who's like sort of an expert on like marketing yourself and all of that and the biggest takeaway I had was she was like you know what I'm not on social media I'm not good at social media everyone Uh says you can't do this stuff without it but I I can I just email people I just call people you know so she was like force yourself to spend time on something that you're not actually getting the results from because it's not really your cup of tea you know and whether that's going out to networking events or being on social media or whatever it is like you have to find something that don't pressure yourself to to force yourself to do something that's just like not working Mm. for you in that in that area yeah that's a really that is a really good takeaway 
Um, it it's is. It, we work in. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I've spent so much time on things I'm not good at. Um, and I don't think I like it's not worth getting good at them um, yeah. to try and push myself forward. But I think it is really like if you want to stick with a workout, it's like when you work out, like if you want to stick with a workout, find something you enjoy mm. doing yeah. and do that. Yeah. And that is how you find a workout that works. And I think networking is the same way. We work in this strange industry of it seems like we're an industry of introverts who are always forced to be extroverts yeah <laughs> very odd a very like I don't know how it ended up being this way but it yeah. did somehow um yeah. but that seems like a pretty good place to start to wrap up but before I ask my last question where can people find you online and I always like to add this curveball if people reach out what is one surefire way to make sure they get a response from you and likewise what's one surefire way to make sure you delete their message immediately <laughs> um, well, you can find me online. I would say probably the easiest is just my website, which is kylieeatonfilm.com, or I'm on Instagram at kylie109, or just Google, you know, Kylie Eaton and film, and there's not too many of us. You'll be able to find me. Uh, I'm, I'm not the, like, very good track star from somewhere in, like, Florida. There's a Kylie Eaton, like, high school track star that always comes up when I Google. That's not me. I'm not... I'm not a good runner, uh, but yeah, I would say when you're contacting me or anyone, um, two things, specificity and again, brevity, make it short and sweet and mm. just tell me what you're looking for, why you're contacting me, like, what's up? Don't leave it open-ended. Just be like, hey, I saw your work. I think it's great. Want to get a coffee sometime. I'm a DP, always looking to connect with new directors. Great. I know mm -hmm. who you are. I know what you want. It was short. Um, don't send me like five paragraphs. <laughs> you know, like that's just like, yeah. what? Um, you know, or just like, don't send out form letters to anyone, please, guys. It's, mm -hmm. it's like, yeah. just put a little effort in, you know, and like, to be quite honest, if you contact me, I will contact you back. I don't, I don't really delete anyone's emails, but um, it's just yeah. in terms of like, overall, if you're reaching out to people, just be very specific and short and you will probably mm -hmm. get a response great that is great advice all right my final question i always call this my screenwriter survival tip what is the yeah. most important thing you tell a young screenwriter to help them not only survive but thrive in this industry um so i always find it really funny when people ask me advice questions because normally my <laughs> thing is like don't listen to anyone else's advice, <laughs> you know, like, okay. like, but I, you know, I think it's it? a place of having like read every article about productivity and what you should be doing and what makes, you know, a good writer or whatever, like, honestly, just find what works for you. As long as it's consistent, mm -hmm. as long as you're doing work and writing, great. Maybe you don't write every day. Maybe you're like, I'm really good if I write for all day, three days a week rather than write a couple awesome hmm. like as long as you're still producing stuff and making stuff like good for you so i would say like the most important thing is to find what works for yourself and i would say that mm -hmm. is for both process and story right so find what process works for you find what you can do consistently and, and keep it up within your life and mm -hmm. you know do it and 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 just write the damn thing and then in terms of story also find what works for you don't think too hard about like 
oh, well, this is what every, everyone wants to write contained right now, or no one wants contained stories right now. Whatever story that you are burning to tell and to write and to create that world, that's what you got to go with. You know, I really, I really do believe it. And, you know, you will get to a point in your career where there are bigger forces outside in terms of someone hiring you to write something specific or, you know, whatever the case may be where you don't have as much freedom. So I think like the most freedom you're ever going to have is before you have a rep, before you have Mm -hmm. someone paying you to write. When you're just starting your career, you can do anything. And so do what really excites you and just Mm whatever is going to motivate you to keep telling stories. I would say keep doing that. Awesome. That is amazing advice. All right, guys, I hope you've enjoyed this special spotlight episode with Kylie and we'll be back next week with our regularly scheduled programming until then guys don't just survive thrive. Hey guys, before we go, I have a quick ask. If you found anything on this show valuable, I would really appreciate it. If you would go to Apple podcasts, go to Stitcher, go to wherever you listen and give us a quick rate and review. It doesn't have to be anything long. It doesn't have to be anything super in depth, but that is just the best way to help grow this community. If you think other screenwriters would benefit from hearing this, a rate and review is the best way to make sure our podcast is seen by as many screenwriters as possible. Thank you guys so much. And until next time, don't just survive, thrive. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you like what you heard, don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your podcasts. If you have questions about this episode, you can reach out on Twitter or Instagram. We're at SSGpod. And I'm on Instagram at Sam Brooks Presents. And don't forget to tune in next time to the Screenwriter Survival Guide.